Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am really excited because I'm going to talk about some of the nitty gritty about training today, and that is proofing. You know, I like to go broad in this podcast, but I also like to narrow it in and give you some tangible things that you can be working on. But before I jump to talking about proofing, I want to tell you about just a few things. So one, The next round of reactive redefined will reopen for enrollment in October. So if you have a reactive dog and you have been hoping to join, this will be your last chance to join this year. The program will run um, October, November, and December, but we're going to try and get everything wrapped up group call wise and stuff like that towards kind of the middle of December, because I know that holidays can be crazy, but we will still support you through the end of December. So um, if you are interested in that, be sure to join the Reactive Redefined waitlist and you will get first access. And we do uh, some early bird pricing for the first access peeps. Um, Additionally, (laughs) uh, we are having a end of summer sale on our digital courses. So if you are on our email list, you will definitely get a notification about that. You'll get an email about that. But if you aren't, uh, get on that email list and you will get access to a discount on all of our digital courses. So if you maybe need to train a recall, you've been thinking about consent and care, maybe you have a puppy, maybe you have a reactive dog, uh, we've got you covered. Oh, and Adventure Dog Academy too. So many digital courses. Okay, so I just wanted to kind of fill you in on what's happening in a Good Feeling Dog Training LLC land but let's rein it in. Let's talk about proofing, shall we? So proofing refers to testing and making sure that your dog can respond to acute behavior with a lot of different variables in place, okay? And proofing is one of those things that, honestly, most of my clients who obviously are awesome and they're great and they're putting the time and energy into their dogs. They don't really understand at its core. And that's why I really wanted to do this podcast episode today, because if you were a dog trainer, (laughs) you know all about proofing. This is something that you coach your clients on all of the time. But for those of you beautiful people listening who are not professional dog trainers, you're just your dog's (laughs) professional trainer. I want to give you some insight on some things that, well, not just insight, but tangible steps you can take to ensure that you're getting the level of response to trained cues and behaviors that you want. Okay, so before I jump into proofing, I want to preface this with dogs are not terribly good at generalizing what we want them to generalize. And there are certainly exceptions to this, right? There are exceptions to every rule. But generally speaking, when we teach a dog a behavior in our minds, right, we're like, cool, you did this behavior here, so you should be able to do it everywhere forever and always. And that's very human of us, right? That's very like instant gratification of us. But I think it's really important for all of you to understand that dogs don't view the world (laughs) the same way that we do, okay? And there's bound to be certain variables that are going to throw a wrench into your dog's ability to perform cued skills or cued behaviors 
when we want them to. So if you listen to the episode about holding your dog accountable, I go into a lot of detail about those variables, okay? So if you have not listened to that episode, be sure to listen to that episode because holding your dogs accountable is and all the variables I talk about in that episode are gonna be really in, an important piece of your understanding about what I'm about to get to, okay? So if you already listened to that, whew, buckle up, we're here. Okay, so when we're talking about proofing, what that really means is how can we make sure that in our training plans and the execution of our training, we are making sure that our dogs can respond to cued behaviors, right, cued um, trained skills in a variable of settings. And it really boils down to a couple of things, the three Ds, right? So if you're a dog trainer, you've heard this time and time again, but if you're new to dog training, the three Ds are basically the core of proofing a behavior, right? Proofing a behavior, making sure that our dog can respond to that cued behavior in a vast majority of circumstances, right? Obviously, our dogs are not robots. We're not going to expect them to behave like robots, but what we're really looking for is like, you know, 90 to 95% margins that our dogs can do certain skills, okay? So when we're training a new skill, we want to teach it in an environment where there's not a lot of distraction and there's not a lot of distance. We're not super far from the dog and we're not going to ask for a lot of duration. Okay. So I'm going to say those again because the 3Ds are really important. Distance, duration, and distraction. Okay, so when we're training a behavior initially, we want to make sure that none of those three D's are too much at play. Okay, so for a lot of dogs, that means at home, right? Like in your home setting, we're going to be teaching those skills. I know that a lot of you have taken your dogs to group training classes, right? That one could be a little, a little bit more difficult, but we'll get to that. But when we're teaching a new behavior, right, we're literally, we're teaching it from scratch, right? We're teaching a brand new behavior. We want to do it in an environment where our dog can be really successful. We're probably going to be super close to the dog. We're probably going to minimize distraction, right? And additionally, we're not going to expect our dogs to do something for a super long duration of time. Okay, so if you are trying to teach your dog a new behavior, that is always the place to start. Some are very easy. You are close to your dog. They are not terribly distracted and you are not expecting them to do it for too long. Okay, so that's how we're going to teach a behavior. But once we have taught that behavior, then we're going to get to the proofing. Okay, and proofing is not something that happens overnight. Proofing is not something that is necessarily systematic either. Right, so that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to teach a behavior And then every day we're going to proof it. Maybe we will, maybe we won't, but it's not always linear like that, okay? But I want to give you some examples of behaviors because this is obviously fresh on my mind, right? I have a young dog. For those of you who missed it, Spicy is already a year old, which is amazing. And I definitely have been seeing some examples of behaviors that I thought were proofed that in fact are not proofed. And all of that is just good feedback for me. That doesn't make Spicy a bad dog. That doesn't make me a bad trainer. It's all just data, right? And as dogs age and mature, there's going to be a lot of changes in their ability to respond to cues because literally their brain is changing, right? Their brain is developing, okay? So when we're looking at proofing a behavior, 
a really, really easy way for you to proof a behavior would be literally to, after you have taught it in your house, try changing one of the Ds, okay? So maybe we mess with distraction, okay? So maybe you've had success in your house, right? So I'm gonna give you an example. So recall is an example I'm gonna use for spicy. So recall in the house, super easy for spicy. She responds literally 100% of the time. There's basically no time in the house when I use her recall cue that she doesn't respond. So to prove the behavior, I worked on adding some distraction, and I, I did that by literally just going into the backyard. <laughs> That's the only variable that I changed, right? There's more distraction in the backyard. And there, I would say probably, we're probably in like the 90% margin. There are still some times when she isn't responding to her recall cue. But for the most part, right, we've got more distraction. We've got a little bit more distance, right? She's a little bit further from me. And she's responding super duper well to that behavior, okay? And... That part of the proofing. So those of you who have taken Trustworthy Recalls, my digital course, you already know this, right? Like I literally spell out proofing for you in Trustworthy Recalls and a three-week training plan. So if you have taken Trustworthy Recalls and you followed through and you did all three weeks of exercise, you have already seen proofing in action, (laughs) right? Proofing the recall against the three Ds, right? Distance, duration, and distraction, okay? And... For spicy, right? So the recall is working in the house, in the backyard. And in order to prove the behavior further, then I started working on it in other environments. So on our neighborhood walks, um, many of you know, I, I love the retractable leashes, okay? Like they are sketchy sometimes, but they're convenient also. And on our neighborhood walks, I typically walk my dogs on the retractable leashes and periodically I will prove Spicy's recall, right? She might be distracted. Maybe she sees a cat or something in the distance. I say her recall cue. She comes back to me. I reward. We move on with our lives. So a lot of times proofing can be as simple as making an effort to work on that behavior once or twice when you're just out in your day-to-day, in your normal life, okay? But inevitably, right, some scenarios will present themselves where you realize that you have more proofing work today to do. And that's something that actually happened today. Um, We were out on a hike. Spicy was on her 20-foot long leash, and we ran into some ptarmigans. For those of you who don't know, ptarmigans are birds who live in, like, alpine territory, so above tree line. And they're probably about the size of a chicken. And they can be quite erratic, right? And they spook easily. And um, I've been really fortunate because, honestly, Waylon is kind of afraid of ptarmigans. So if he sees them, he just runs back to me. I don't have to call him. But Spicy, she's got big feelings about ptarmigans and she saw them she tried to chase after them obviously she's on the long leash so she wasn't able to chase them and I called her I did her recall and she didn't come (laughs) so that is good feedback for me that spicy needs more proofing of that behavior with more distraction and in particular prey drive distraction Okay, so that's just good feedback for me about how I can set up proofing training sessions for her recall, right? So I want to give you some examples of what I'm thinking about in doing that. So I am fortunate in the fact that my neighbors have chickens, 
And they're so gracious. And they're like, yeah, you can come train in the backyard. So I'm going to do some proofing of Spicy's recall around chickens. But I'm going to control a couple of variables, right? The chickens are going to be in their coop. So she can't physically get to them. And I'm going to start with more distance. I'm going to be further away from the chickens. I'm going to be physically closer to Spicy. So typically when I'm working on recalls, Spicy's, you know, pretty far from me, right? Like 20 foot leash or further than that if she's off leash. And when I'm going to work on some of my proofing, I'm going to shrink down the distance, right? And I'm going to control some of the distraction, right? So like the chickens are there, but they're in the coop. So they're like, she can't actually physically get to them. And I'm going to be super close to her. I'm going to be within like five feet of her. And I'm going to use her recall cue and she's going to respond and I'm going to reinforce and then I'm going to let her meander and I'm going to have her on leash for sure, right? And just to be safe because I don't want to sacrifice my neighbor's chickens. But that is a, a proving training session for her recall in particular that I'm going to work on, okay? Additionally, Spicy thinks that small animals are very exciting. She would like to chase them in particular prairie dogs. I have the great luxury of we live somewhere where there is a field of prairie dogs. I'm going to do something very similar to what I just described. Okay, but everything I'm talking about, we can insert any behavior, any behavior you want to teach your dog, right? Recall is obviously like kind of an extraordinary example where like a recall probably is going to require a significantly higher level of proofing than the average behavior would just because the recall we want to hold up against all of the distance, all of the distraction and all of the duration, right? Like we want the recall to hold up against all of that. Okay. But when it comes to proofing, proofing never really ends. Okay. Like proofing is not something that like we do once like, Ooh, voila. Okay. The end. It's something that's going to need continued maintenance. Right. And I don't want you to feel like proofing is something that has to be like this long, arduous, drawn out training process. Those of you who have taken trustworthy recalls, you can see that I set the, tr- the proofing, the proofing training plan up pretty easy. It's got to do it a couple times a day, even in your backyard. That all still counts. But in addition to proofing, right, please don't forget that the reinforcement is an integral part of that right? The dog getting access to whatever they desire is the reinforcement in those moments is key, right? Proofing is pointless if you're not reinforcing the behavior you want the dog to do under those conditions, okay? So I want to give you some other examples of proofing, okay? (laughs) So spicy is actually a really just kind of naturally easy leash walker, not all Amstaffs are like that. Those of you who have bully breeds um, or bird dogs for that matter, they're infamously hard to teach to walk on a loose leash. And honestly, I know you all have heard me talk about this. Waylon is one of the hardest dogs that I have ever worked with in like proofing walking on a loose leash. But Spicy is kind of naturally better on it, right? And I think a big percentage of that is just some of it is just who she is. Okay, let's be honest. I can't take all of the credit for this. But I think a big reason that she's been pretty successful on a leash is because I've done proofing of her leash skills 
basically since day one, right? Like not that I did a ton of training or anything like her when she was like a teeny tiny baby, but I would say like basically when she was like 16 weeks old, we started working on leash skills, right? So I teach leash skills in two ways. One, you can have the length of the leash, but you can't pull against it. Two, I cue a behavior of walking at my side and I expect them to do that until I release them, right? So those are the two ways that I teach leash skills. And the proofing that I did with Spicy was literally just working on it periodically, right? So her walking at my side on cue, I worked on that periodically, basically on every outing she went on, went on, on a leash, right? So it wasn't complicated. It wasn't fancy. I didn't set up like specific training sessions for it. I basically just built it into our day-to-day walks, right? And that is something that honestly, she is so proficient at. Like I can ask her to walk at my side basically under any conditions, And she will respond. So I would say that like her response rate to walking at my side on cue is like probably 93%, which is really freaking good for a one-year-old American Staffordshire Terrier, right? And I did a lot of building duration in that behavior with continued reinforcement, right? So not only can I ask her to do it, but I can expect her to do it for a pretty significant duration of time because every single outing, we work on it for varying amounts of time. And like I was saying at the beginning of this episode, proofing is not always linear, right? So that doesn't mean that every time I ask Spicy to walk at my side on cue, I expect her to do it for longer than the last time she did it because that's not the truth at all, right? There's actually still a lot of value in proofing the behavior, by working on it just for short durations of time sometimes, but then other times asking for it for longer durations of time, right? And additionally, we worked on a lot of distraction just because it naturally happened in our life, right? Like we live in a neighborhood, there are dogs we have to pass. If you follow us on Instagram, you saw the reel that I posted recently about working her (laughs) through the the dog barking behind the fence. Um, She thinks that that's very, very exciting. But I, I, the proofing that I did with that behavior, right, was just consistent. I did it every day. And by doing it in our natural environments, right, well, our natural environment being walking in our neighborhood and additionally hiking and camping and being in all kinds of places in nature, I naturally got the three Ds, right? I naturally got more distraction, more duration, and more distance, right? Well, the distance is a little bit harder because she's attached to me and she's on the leash and I expect her to be at my side, right? But I have been able to prove that behavior by simply just teaching it to her when she was young and building on it. It is not always that easy, okay? Like <laughs> that's just one example of, of a behavior that proofing actually was quite easy and I was able to do it. But what I want you to think about, right, is what behaviors are you working on with your dog right now? Maybe it's behaviors that you're always working on, right? So like me, always working on Wayland's leash skills. Um, Or is it a new behavior, right? So if you're working on a new behavior, how can you set up some proofing training sessions? Maybe you don't even need to set them up. Maybe you just need to make a mental note that you can be working on it. Right. So tricks are something that I love to teach. They're super funsies. And um, I've been working on a couple of tricks with Spicy that I've done basically no proofing of. (laughs) Right. Like when Spicy came to us in October and into the winter, we did a lot of just like training tricks inside because we were stuck inside because, you know, winter. And to be completely honest, I don't really work on those 
tricks outside of the house. So she's not super proficient at doing them outside of the house. And that's something that it's it's not a deal breaker for her to be successful at those. But because I am a dog trainer, right? And I would like Spicy to do, like do cute tricks for funsies outside. And it's a nice way to connect with her if she's super distracted. There's a lot of benefits. I'm thinking about a proofing plan right? So one of the behaviors that I've worked on with her is spinning in a circle on cue. And that's one that she can do super proficiently inside. She's great at it. She loves it, but she's not as proficient as doing it outside because she's like, "Mm, I, there's all these other things going on. Like you sure you really want me to do that? So when I'm looking at proofing that behavior, I need to look at distraction first, right? So how can I set it up that like, maybe we're out at the park and there's no one around, right? Like she's done sniffing. She's gone to the bathroom. There's not a lot of distraction going on. I can ask for her attention. Then I can work on it there, right? So that's one way that I can work on proofing it, right? But I'm, I'm very mindful of distraction. If she's super distracted, there's a lot going on. I'm not going to work on it then because she's not going to be successful, right? So I really have to look for that middle ground, right? Like, okay, we're out in the world. So naturally there is more distraction, but she isn't terribly hyper-focused on anything. So that's what I'm going to ask for it, right? Additionally, I want her to be able to perform the behavior without me being like right in front of her, like with my my hand and like maybe a lure and like being really successful, right? So luring is something that I love to use when teaching new behaviors. Luring is basically just putting a treat in front of the dog's mouth and the dog just kind of follows it and voila, they do what you want. And that's beautiful. But when I'm proving the behavior, I have to slowly but surely fade that lure. And for this specific behavior, right, spinning in a circle, that is directly related to distance, right? Like our distance to each other. And something I've been working on is proofing the behavior so that she can do it with just a hand signal. And I don't have to be like right in front of her nose doing that. That's something that I'm doing at the same time out in the world, right? So maybe I'll start with the lure and then she's successful there and slowly but surely I'll dial it back, right? The duration piece of the spin, she can only just spin once, right? But I might be able to add a second spin to get a little bit more duration of the behavior, right? So I hope that this is making sense. I hope that this is this is giving you some insights into how you could work on proofing some of the behaviors that you you feel like you should expect your dog to be able to respond to, but they're not responding to. Right. And like I said, in the episode about holding your dogs accountable, please listen to that. Right. Because there's lots of other variables that we have to consider. Right. When we're asking our dogs to respond to things and if they can't. But if all of those boxes have been checked. Right. Like your dog is healthy. You've done the training. You've done the reinforcement history. You just got to work on the proofing. This is an amazing example of how you can work on that. Right. Like how we can work on proofing the behavior. And I do just want to caveat that so many of my clients come to me expecting that the training, we're going to do the training and then it's not going to take anything else. And then the dog is just going to be able to do all of the training forever and always. And I, if you've worked with me before, you've heard me say, if I had the magic training dust, I would give it to you. I would, I would give it to you, but it doesn't exist. And the truth of the matter is no matter how you choose to train your dog, right? No matter how you choose, right? Whether you're going to go like, you know, aversive, dominance, balance, positive reinforcement and everything in between, There is no replacement 
for consistency and actually doing the work, right? There's, there's no immediate fix to behaviors. There's no immediately, you teach the dog behavior once and then they can do it everywhere forever and always. That's just not the way that behavior works, okay? And if you're frustrated with your dog, one, welcome to the club. We all get frustrated with our dogs. But two, I want you to take a step back and think about a time where you were trying to modify your behavior and how it didn't just happen overnight, right? Like you couldn't just change overnight. It took time, right? It took uh, proofing basically, right? Like you're literally proofing your own behavior to get to that outcome. And that's something that I think about a lot, right? When I'm frustrated with spicy or I'm frustrated with Waylon, I have to offer some humility and realize that like modifying my own behavior is harsh. Okay. And I have way more cognitive capacity than my dogs do, right? And modifying my own behavior is hard. And if I'm trying to modify my dog's behavior or proof their behaviors, that's just going to take time. That's going to take reinforcement history. That's going to take careful training plans, thinking about the three Ds and knowing that nothing is ever absolute, right? Like there's this huge fallacy that dogs are just quote unquote fully trained, Like, okay, well, welcome to the world. That's not the way that it works, right? And the service dog world, I think, is a very good example of this because service dogs are always in training. Like, yes, can we proof behaviors and we can get them to a point where they can work and they can provide the service that their humans need? Of course, but that always needs maintenance, okay? Like, we're always maintaining that, okay? So if you have fallen victim to the dogs will just be fully trained, right? Please take a step back and realize that that doesn't exist, okay? Fully trained is absolutely a fallacy. That's not the way that the world works, okay? It takes time. It takes energy. And I think, you know, think about your behavior, right? Like maybe you've been doing a job. Maybe you've been doing it for a long time and maybe you still have off days, right? Maybe there's a day where you're tired, you're overwhelmed, you've got other things going on in your life and it's harder for you to do your job the same way you did under different conditions, Okay, so when we're looking at proofing, it's something that we can absolutely set up, right? Curate, we can control those variables, right? We can work on distance, we can work on duration, we can work on distraction, but that doesn't mean that that now the behavior is absolute, right? That they can do it forever and always, right? And every dog is going to have strong suits, right? And behaviors that it's easier for them to provide more frequently, more reliably under lots of distractions, right? That's going to happen, right? But there's always going to be certain behaviors that your dog probably struggles with, okay? And the same could be said for us, okay? Like there are a lot of behaviors that I'm really good at and I can provide pretty reliably and there are other ones that I'm working on and I'm not always consistent at. And that is normal. There's nothing wrong with that. But if your dog is not responding to a certain cued behavior when you want them to consistently, proofing is probably going to be a piece of that equation for you both moving forward, okay? All right, everyone, I love this podcast. I hope you do too. If you have been listening for a while and you have not left a review, hey, do me a favor, would you? The more reviews this podcast has, the easier it is for dog guardians to find it and hopefully utilize this information and change their relationship with their dog for the better, like I hope has happened for you all. All right, everyone have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. 
If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.